0: Always appreciative of beautiful music and the uh, joy of hearing about the love of God. What a pri- privilege that is uh, Anytime, If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading at verse 5. Colossians 2 and verse 5, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. May we pray. Father, this is your word and we thank you for giving it to us, for preserving it. and Father, for giving us minds and hearts to receive it. We pray today that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We pray, Father, for fathers, for men to be rooted and grounded in the faith, in the truth. Of Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we as a church will be led by godly men that are so rooted and grounded. We pray, Lord, that everyone here today can say they named the name of Christ as Savior. They trust in Him who died and paid the debt for their sin and was buried and raised the third day. We pray, Father, that if there's someone here or listening to this message today that's never been born again, how we pray that they, would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be able to say they have so received him and walk in him. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be honored with all that takes place, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I love the story of the old mountain man and his wife that lived in the hills, probably east Tennessee, but they lived in the hills and... Never, this was years ago, they never had really ventured out and seen hardly any modern conveniences. The old mountain man one day is scrounging around and he picks up a little small square piece that we would call a mirror, but he looked at it, picked it up and said, as he looked at it and held it up here, he said, Oh, I never knew my pappy had a likeness taken of himself. Well, he would pull that thing out and look at it constantly. I never knew Pappy looked like this. Not knowing it was just a mirror, he thought it was a picture, a likeness as he called it. He loved it so much that he hid it under his mattress in their one-room cabin. And he'd pull it out and he'd look at it. He is proud. And one day his wife saw him looking at that. She waited till he was outside the cabin and she snuck over there and lifted up the mattress, pulled it out and held it up and said, well, that's the old hag he's been running around with. (laughs) Do you have a picture of your father? You that are fathers, do you have a picture of yourself? Well, I don't mean one that's printed or one that's a reflection in a looking glass. But what is the portrait of you as a father? Did your pappy ever have a likeness made of himself? In Colossians, I know Paul is writing to both men and women, male and female, as he addresses this church that a man by the name of Epaphras had taught these Colossian believers. Paul had been there, and he had a great love for them. He even begins by saying, even though I'm not with you, I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit. Paul had a great love for them, and he gives us a portrait. Well, I want to lift that out this morning, hopefully not out of context, but I want to apply it to fathers and think about... In this selfie generation, I want to think about for a few moments a fatherly portrait. According to the Word of God, according to what Paul wished for these Colossian believers, we might even say what we wish, what we pray for today, for men on this Father's Day, but as well for women. So there are six Elements or six portraits of godly men that I see in these three verses. He begins in verse 5, For though I am absent in the flesh, I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness in the faith. First we see that Paul is painting the portrait of a good soldier. The words order and steadfastness, that are used here in verse 5, are military terms. Paul is describing, first, he he speaks of their order, or the italicized words means that it's supplied, their good order. It could refer to their discipline. It was used in military circles in a way to describe how they arranged in their ranks, how they arranged in proper order as they would face a battle that is before them. When we think of good soldiers, even today, we think of of, of how they are under authority. Not everyone who is a soldier is a five star general. Not everyone who is a, you don't find a a, 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 a private a buck private telling some colonel some general what to do. There is rank and order in military circles. Well, as Paul looked at the believers at Colossae, he's describing them in such a term. They were arranged in order. They were arranged in rank and file. They were arranged, let's use this, they were arranged in in an order that, that described them as being faithful to the one who... "...whom they were under his authority unto the Lord." Military circles are described. Now, in military circles, they're not only in, in arranged for uh, being under authority, but they're arranged for battle, for battle. They were ready to fight. What's the military for? Well, despite what our nation's trying to do, it seems to make them the world's policemen and such as that, but there's one purpose for a soldier to do battle, to, to keep the peace, to protect a people. Well, we see that, they, uh, that these soldiers uh, in that day had that purpose and certainly in our day as well. They had such a purpose. Good order describing the soldier. And these soldiers were able to serve. They weren't there to be served. They were able to serve. So think about that, fathers. Think about that, men. Think about that. As Paul described the Colossian Christians, he described them as those that had good order. But look secondly at the word steadfastness. Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Again, this is a military term, and it referred to a solid front. It referred to them as being anchored in the truth. Well, uh, are we... Look at this picture. Look at this portrait that's given here. There were false teachers in Colossae, as most of the letters of Paul, particularly the, the pastoral epistles and these other general epistles, as he's combating false teaching. We are always combating false teaching because we need to stand and be anchored in the truth. He says, steadfastness of your faith in Christ all oh, that we would be steadfast we need to be reminded that passivity does not build strong churches passivity being passive and saying well every man's entitled to what he wants to believe passivity doesn't build faithful churches discipline and faithful, like a soldier, that 's the call upon us today. So Paul is brushing beautiful strokes in painting this portrait, and as he begins to paint it, we see the beauty, the beauty of a soldier, as he describes this. Do you look like this? Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. that paints the portrait of a good soldier but go further in verse 6 he describes a good walker a good walker he says as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him that phrase as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord he's referring to being born again he's referring to to taking and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ this is not receiving Him as in communion, as some would describe it. I remember years ago, we were serving with Brother Parish Hartley in Montana, and uh, we went to a, uh, our church group went to a uh, um, nursing home, and one particular lady uh, uh, went to this, one lady from our group went to this lady and, and asked her, was she a Christian? And she said, oh yes, I've re- I receive the Lord regularly. The lady didn't catch on to what this, resident of the nursing home was saying she was saying she was Catholic and when our lady from our group said can I have my picture maybe she said no I don't want anything to do with you Baptist." <laughs> she just basically wanted her out of the room and the lady was traumatized how could a Christian be like that? I said listen what she said to you she, and not that Catholics and Baptists are always at uh, uh, you know but anyway uh, folks a good the receiving Christ As you have received once and for all. The tense of the Greek verb here, received, is once and for all having received Him. You do that by faith when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. When you believe that He died in your place on the cross, paying for your sin when He was buried, and for you He was raised that you might be justified. That, my friend, is how you receive Him in faith, believing He died for you. You trust Him. And as a result of that, verse 6 says, so walk in Him. Walk in Him by faith. Walk in Him. Walk is a favorite term of the Apostle Paul. He uses it four times, I know of, here in, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. He talks about walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Then here in chapter 2, verse 6, he It says, walk in Him. Chapter 3, verse 7, He says, making reference to your former life, being under, uh, as sons of disobedience, under the wrath of God. Then you walked in them. See, there's a contrast. Men, I'm asking this morning, is there a difference in your life than before you became a believer? Is there a difference in your life than an unbeliever? He says, walk in Him. Don't walk as you once walked when you lived in the acts of disobedience. And then in chapter 4 and verse 5, the fourth time he uses the word walk, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside the faith, unbelievers, redeeming or making most of your time. So when he says in chapter 2 and verse 6, walk in him, he's painting this portrait of a man of God, we'll say, who's walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, does that describe you? I remember the first time I saw a power walker. Have you ever seen a power walker? When I was in college, we had a lady, a part of the staff and the faculty. She was faculty. That uh, uh, that there was a small lady, very in stature. I don't know if she was more than, uh, you know, five foot one, maybe. I don't know if she was that Miss Mounts, yeah. but I, she would walk every morning. And you would see her in the mornings, on the, and those arms were gold. I can't even describe you, you You've probably seen power walkers. I don't know if any of you knew this, the, the lady. She was the librarian and taught library science and such, and a godly woman, a good woman, and I think is still living, I, I believe. But um, she was a power walker. And she and my wife's aunt would get up in the mornings and walk. My wife didn't walk like that, but Miss Mounts, those arms just went to walking. She was passionate about walking. Oh, that we might be passionate about our walk in Christ. A good walker, a power walker is what he's calling to. Throughout Paul's writings, he speaks of walking. Walk in love, Ephesians 5 2. Walk in the light, Ephesians 5 8. Walk worthy of the vocation you're called, Ephesians 4 1. Walk in the truth, John says, in 3 John 4. Walk in the Spirit, Paul says. Again, in Galatians chapter 5. Oh, that we walk. But notice this. It's that we walk in Him. There are some that can walk like the church wants them to walk. Or they can walk like uh, they've been told to walk by someone else. But are you walking in Christ? As you've received the Lord Jesus, walk in Him. Are you growing men Are you walking in him like a soldier, like a walker? Rise up, O men of God. Do you look like this? Paul's painting a portrait of a soldier. He's painting the portrait of a good walker. Look thirdly, verse 7. He's painting the portrait of a good tree. For he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Rooted. Here's the metaphor, the imagery of a tree, a tree. I'm mindful of Psalm 1, where it refers to the godly man as being one. he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Oh, the think, think about that. The, the fountain there, he draws his nourishment. Men, where do you get your nourishment? Is it from the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it through the word of God? By the spirit of God to your soul? Are you drawing your nourishment from the things of this world? Are you drawing your nourishment from the ungodly things that are offered? What nourishes your soul? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth fruit in his season. Galatians chapter 5 talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Not seven different fruits, but all together as one fruit. Are you bearing fruit, my brother, in Christ? Every child of God will at some point in time, but sometimes we go through seasons of barrenness, don't we? Maybe today can be a day of calling you back to bearing fruit. You, you know the fruit of the Spirit. Is that true in your life? The tree, like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its own season, and his leaf also shall not wither. Think of the shade that that tree gives from Psalm 1. The refreshment, the protection, the beauty. Men of God, are you providing protection for your family? Are you providing beauty to your family, to your church? Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. By the way, as we make the image or look at the imagery of the tree rooted in Him, are your roots going deep in the soil? Think of that soil. What a difference the soil makes. I bought a few. Weeks ago, we, several years ago, we planted a tree in our front yard. We're not, there's no symbolism in that. We just planted a tree. All right, It wasn't for anybody or it wasn't Arbor Day. We just planted a tree. Well, it grew, surprisingly to us, with our genuine black fingers and stuff, thumbs, I guess they're called. But that tree grew. So we wanted to get another one and plant it. Some seven, or eight years later, we get another one. And we were in the wrong vehicle to bring it home. But we finally got that thing stuffed in the back seat of, uh, of the car and got it home. But what if we would have just left that tree sitting in our garage? What if we would have never planted it in the soil? What would have happened to that tree? Would it have been appropriate to call it a tree? No, it would have been a dead shrub. A dead thing after a while. What a difference the soil makes. Oh, that we might let our roots go down deep. While I'm talking about my yard and trees, I'll also speak of another tree that the previous owners planted. That thing leans. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh That thing thing is, and, and it's getting worse because I'm not giving it a lot of attention like the previous owners did. It's obvious, I know. That thing leans. I don't know what kind of tree it is. Is that, is that a particular type of tree? Oak tree. Oh. <laughs> Why do I do myself, that to myself? <laughs> anyway, the problem is that the roots are not down very deep. And they're shallow, and so the tree is leaning. I trimmed it back. It got top-heavy uh, as the leaves began to come out this year, and, uh, and it got top-heavy. And literally, the 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 leaves and stuff were touching the ground because it was leaning. Weak root system. I wonder if that's what's happening in a lot of men and ladies' lives. If there's a weak root system, and then when the winds of false doctrine, when the winds of the world began to blow, you lean. You see the portrait that he's painting here—that of a tree. In 1913, a man by the name of Joyce Kilmer wrote a poem. The first couple of lines, I think I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. What about you? Are you like a tree? Do you find yourself in this picture, this portrait here, with roots that go down deep in the Lord Jesus Christ, established in Him, But there's a fourth metaphor, a fourth picture or imagery that's used here. And he's mixing his metaphors. Next, he talks about a building. He says, built up in him. No doubt, he's talking of a building here. The first is a tree, an illustration from agriculture. The next is a building, an illustration from construction. And he's making making the point, you know, why... Mixing the metaphors here. Why is, is, is he talking of two different things? I, I, I studied on that. I think it might have to do with this. That while we don't all look alike as believers, we have commonality. We all have similar traits of strength, of structure in one Lord Jesus Christ. And here's this metaphor, being built up in Him. What a difference a foundation makes for a house. I think of our Savior's illustration in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, of the different houses, and the one who built a beautiful structure, but He built it on a weak, sandy foundation. How long did it last? Oh, we've got folks today, even folks that attend church regularly, that are building their lives on sandy foundations. Here Paul is painting the portrait. I'm calling it a fatherly portrait to call out our men. Built up in Him. What are you building on, men? What foundation? Some are building it on the foundation of work. I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to provide a living, and I congratulate you for wanting to care for your family, but not at the expense of the Lord Jesus Christ being Lord of your home. Some are building it on sports. Leisure. I work hard and I need my time off. I work hard and I need to enjoy some some, some downtime. There may be a little truth to that, but not at the expense of the foundation of Christ in your life and in the life of your family. Some are even building their lives on the family or on the foundation of family. The foundation of family. Now I know what some are going to say. Well, wait a minute. The Lord instituted the family. Yes, he did, but not at the detriment of the church. He never intended for family. You can make anything an idol. And while we want godly families, you won't build a godly family if you make the Lord's church number two, number three, on down the line. And I'll tell you this when you make it number two, it won't be long till it's number nine or ten. It won't be priority. A good building is what he's describing as he paints this portrait. As he paints a, a, we'll call it a father, a soldier, a walker, a tree, a building. But then, verse 7, a student, a good student. For he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. Some of us cringe when we think about school. I had a discussion this past week with some folks and we were talking about school and, and different things and they were talking about grades and uh, never making less than an A. And, so, and I told I said, I'll never forget my mother's expression the first time I came home with a C on my report card. She was so pleased and excited. <laughs> I don't know what kind of a student you were, but that, let's get beyond academics and what kind of student of the Word of God are you? What kind of student are you in the scripture? It's not the job of someone else to come along and do your studying for you, do your lessons for you. He says, it's the word of God that builds and strengthens the Christian. You go back to chapter 1 in verse 7, he mentions Epaphras. Epaphras... You've learned from him. He's our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Apparently, Epaphras was the elder, the leader, the pastor of that church at Colossae after Paul had begun that work there. And he taught them concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to be unstable and wandering in the faith. We're to get into the Word of God, established is the word it uses. The word established means confirmed. I know that the the Roman Catholics participate in catechisms and they also have confirmations. There are other uh, denominations or sects that that believe in in confirmation or confirming a child at a certain age and such. And and I'm not sure about... uh, All of that, I am disturbed by this. While we may take a child at a young age, according to Lifeway Research, the research arm of our denomination, 66% of 18 to 22 year olds leave the church when they get away from home. That ought to break our hearts. Are we teaching them that's catechism? Are we helping them to be established? That's confirmation in the faith. Oh, I'm not for, there's no infant baptism or uh, un, unregenerate baptism taught in the Scripture, So I'm, I'm not saying anything like that. But are we doing our effort? Giving strength to making young people good students of the word of God. Fathers, are you a good student? Do you look like a student of the faith? As this portrait is painted, we see elements of a soldier, elements of a walker, elements of a tree, elements of a building, elements of a student. But lastly, at the end of verse 7, he says, Abounding in it, in the faith, with thanksgiving. That phrase abounding gives me the picture, the imagery of a river. An overflowing river. Overflowing with thanksgiving. Celebrating. Is the picture abounding in the faith? Paul often used thankfulness as a description of Christian maturity. How thankful are you? When a believer is abounding in thanksgiving, he's really making progress. Are you grateful that the Lord saved your hell deserving soul? Do you show that thanksgiving? Fathers, do your children know that you're grateful? That you've been born again? Are you grateful that He's given you all that you need to please Him and to walk with Him? Are you living in that thanksgiving? Sad to say that many of us are making no progress in abounding. We're just shallow trickles. Maybe on Thanksgiving we'll say, Thank you, Lord. But do they see that element in your life? Are you overflowing with gratitude? A good soldier, a good walker, a good tree, a good building, a good student, a good overflowing river, overflowing with thanksgiving. That's the portrait that he paints for us. I never knew my pappy had a likeness made of him. That's my heavenly father. We're told in the scripture Jesus called him Abba. That's Hebrew, and it describes Daddy, Papa, Pappy. You want to see a likeness of Him? It's in the Scripture. Is that likeness reflected in you and in me? Let's pray. Father in Heaven, I thank You for Your Word. And I pray, Heavenly Father, this morning that every man here in this room would have a desire to look like their Heavenly Father. I pray for that father that's here today, that man that's here today, that boy, that girl, that mother, that lady that doesn't know Christ, that's never been born again. I pray that today they would see that he paid the debt on the cross of Calvary, was buried and raised the third day. And it's in him that we have our sustenance. It's in him that we have our sufficiency. And I pray today that he would be glorified in all that we do. For I ask this in Jesus' name.